Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net and at the webalchemist.net on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 1st of May 2021, and the title of this week's show is Law Day. HRC executed, question mark, Maricopa audit and vaccine latest. So today is Law Day, May the 1st, and this was uh, instigated by President Trump when he was officially in office. <laughs> I think he's still in office, but unofficially so. And it's very interesting because this was all about applying the rule of law. And unfortunately, recently we have seen so many examples of how this is not being uh, applied properly. We saw all the Supreme Court decisions as far as the election was concerned or is concerned because it's still ongoing. And also the very partisan nature of the DOJ and the FBI and the CIA. And I just want to share a couple of examples to really illustrate how far we are from the actual rule of law and true justice. So I want to start with the first one, which is Rudy Giuliani, who, whose um, apartment was raided by the FBI. And this is an article by Epoch Times uh, titled The Real Reasons Behind the Rudy Giuliani Raid. April 30th, it was published. Uh, it says, expectations that the FBI was investigating possible crimes documented on Hunter Biden's laptop were laid to rest earlier this week when agents raided the home and office of Rudolph Giuliani, the man who made news of the laptop public. According to reports, federal investigators are looking for evidence that the former mayor of New York City violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA, by illegally lobbying on behalf of Ukrainian officials. But that's just a pretext to search his communications and records to find something with which to take revenge against a man who helped uncover the corruption of America's first family. The compromising photos, emails and texts found on Hunter's laptop include accounts of financial arrangements with a Chinese businessman he called the Spy Chief of China. The documents confirmed by a former Biden associate implicate other members of the Biden clan, including, it seems, the president. And so to hunt Giuliani, the commander in chief has deployed federal law enforcement authorities, which have their own reason to retaliate against one of the Department of Justice's most famous former prosecutors. Giuliani helped thwart the FBI and DOJ's plot to topple an American president. He joined Donald Trump's legal team in April 2018 to defend the president during former FBI director Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation. I wanted to make us a lot tougher against them, Giuliani told me in an interview for my 2020 book, The Permanent Coup. We needed to get out front publicly because I believed it was not just a legal case, it was a political case. Indeed, Justice Department officials sanctioned the Mueller probe as a continuation and cover-up of the illegal espionage operation targeting Trump and his associates that the FBI called Crossfire Hurricane. 
The investigation of Giuliani is yet a further extension of Crossfire Hurricane, even employing the same instrument it used to go after Trump aides, Farah. Until recently, Farah was a seldom enforced law requiring representatives of foreign principles to register with the Justice Department. It is intended to promote transparency, but most Washington, D.C. influence peddlers disregard it, and when found in violation are simply forced to register and pay a fine. All that changed in July 2016 when the FBI used alleged FARA violations as the basis to investigate Trump's presidential campaign. According to official FBI records documenting the fraudulent Russia collusion probe, Carter Page was the only Trump campaign aide nominally investigated for his supposed ties to Russia. The FBI investigated Paul Manafort because of his work for Ukrainian officials and General Michael Flynn for his efforts on behalf of a private Turkish-Dutch citizen. As for Crossfire Hurricane's other targets, the FBI claimed, incorrectly it seems, that George Papadopoulos was lobbying on behalf of Israel and Walid Faraz for Egypt. It didn't matter if any of it was real, all the FBI wanted was a plausible reason to investigate Trump, and Farah provided one. The mastermind behind the FBI's weaponization of Farah, as journalist Paul Sperry reported last year, was the former head of the Justice Department's counterintelligence and export control section, David Laufman. Now in the private sector, Laufman was a crossfire hurricane manager. He worked closely with its now-disgraced lead agent, Peter Strzok, and gave the Russia dossier's supposed primary subsource immunity in exchange for an official government interview meant to corroborate the false dossier allegations. In trying to hang a Ukraine-related FARA violation on Giuliani, the Biden administration is giving more evidence that the Democratic Party's default criminal defence is to obscure their illegal activities by accusing their rivals of doing exactly what they are in fact doing. The most prominent example is Trump's 2019 impeachment when House Democrats charged him with abuses that were committed by Joe Biden. In 2016, the then vice president threatened to withhold a $1 billion loan guarantee from the Ukrainian government if it didn't fire a prosecutor investigating an energy company paying his son Hunter more than $50,000 a month. When Trump got word in 2019 of the Biden's activities in Ukraine, he asked the Ukrainian president to brief Attorney General William Barr, as well as Giuliani, on the matter. Democratic officials, U.S. spies and the media categorised Trump's unrelated decision to put a hold on a weapon system purchases by the Ukrainians as a quid pro quo. The anti-Trump operatives claimed that he had used a U.S. taxpayer-funded resource as leverage to get the Ukrainians to take action on an investigation. In other words, they very precisely hung Biden's abuses of power on Trump. The same is so with the allegations that Giuliani took money to influence U.S. policy regarding Ukraine. The Ukrainian energy company had hired Hunter for just that purpose, and it worked. Even his father said so. Joe Biden boasted in a January 2018 appearance that it was he, as vice president, who got the Ukrainians to cut the prosecutor loose, or else. The lesson now is clear. 
If you start asking inconvenient questions about the Bidens, you're going to pay the price. Thus, in perspective, the FBI's failure to investigate Hunter Biden for the possible crimes described on his laptop is a minor detail in a much larger and darker shroud, with law enforcement authorities targeting the enemies of the president's family, the Biden administration announces that the United States has formally embraced the politics and ethics of the third world. Around Thanksgiving of that year, Giuliani was approached by a source who claimed to have information about Ukrainian government collusion with Democrats to affect the 2016 election. In an interview I conducted with Giuliani last year, he told me, I'm thinking he's going to get me exculpatory information that'll help me defending my client. At this point, I didn't even know Joe Biden was involved. And this was authored by Lee Smith, who has recently published a book, The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. So in an earlier article, it was talking about how the apartment was raided, I think, seven o'clock in the morning to seize um, under a warrant all the electronic devices that uh, Giuliani has or had. What they didn't take, the only pieces of equipment they didn't take were the Hunter Biden um, hard drives. And Giuliani asked the FBI officers executing the warrant whether they were going to take these hard drives. And they, he asked them three times, and three times they said no. So the question is, why were they not interested in taking the hard drives when the warrant actually stated that all electronic devices had to be seized? And X-22 report from yesterday was talking about this and saying that potentially this is another setup in terms of bringing into the public domain all the evidence that Giuliani has. If he's, if he's um, charged with any crime and has to go to trial, then that gives him the opportunity to present all the evidence that he's gathered. And not only for the in you know the direct involvement of Hunter Biden with Ukraine, but also Joe Biden's involvement as well. So that would be pretty interesting. The other thing that I wanted to share with you as another example of how the FBI has become almost equivalent to the Gestapo is uh, an article by Gateway Pundit. This was again published yesterday on the 30th. 12 armed FBI agents kicked down door of couple's home looking for Pelosi's laptop. Turns out it was a case of mistaken identity. The FBI this week raided a Homer Alaska couple's home looking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop. Twelve agents broke down the Huapa's front door with their guns drawn, separated the husband and wife, cuffed them, seized their electronics and interrogated them for three hours. After a three-hour interrogation, it turned out it was a case of mistaken identity. The Huapers just happened to be on vacation in D.C. the same week Trump spoke at the Ellipse on January 6th and decided to attend the rally. However, they never entered the Capitol building. Marilyn Huaper said FBI agents accused her of entering the U.S. Capitol building and assisting in the theft of Speaker Pelosi's laptop, 
Incidentally, it reminded me that we haven't heard what happened to Pelosi's laptop. The thought at the time was that it was seized by um, white hats in order to gather evidence against Pelosi. Anyway, continuing. Near the end of the interrogation, FBI agents pulled out a photo of the woman they were looking for. And although the woman resembled her side-by-side photo of the two women below, it was a case of mistaken identity. And it's showing four different images, um, supposedly proving that this woman was at the Capitol. This composite photo illustration shows a photograph of Homer resident Marilyn Huapa, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, left, taken on January 6, 2021, and provided by Huapa, next to two images on the right, published by the FBI, showing an unidentified woman in the US Capitol on the same date. The Huapas were not charged with any crimes. Anchorage Daily News reported, Huapa said the agents broke down her door Wednesday morning as she, her husband and some guests were asleep. When she asked why they didn't just knock, she was told that they did, but no one answered. So the agents went to get breakfast. When they returned, they knocked again. And when no one answered, they broke open the door, she said. I find that hard to believe, that the agents went off to get breakfast, but whatever. Huepa said the officers had guns drawn and handcuffed her, her husband and their guests. She and her husband were put in different rooms and couldn't see what was happening as the officers searched, according to Huepa. An officer pulled out a photo of a woman in the Capitol on January 6th and asked if she knew who the woman was. Huepa was surprised, she said, because the woman looked like her and had a coat like one she owns. But Huepa said she's never had a sweater like the one the woman was wearing in a second picture. Huepa said she was able to point to other photos provided later in the interview to show differences in her appearance from the woman shown. The woman in the photo has detached earlobes. Hers are attached. The other woman also has a different brow shape, Huepa said, adding that she's never worn the kind of high boots that the woman wore. I'm like, wait a minute, is that her? That's clearly not me. Why did you not show me this to start with, Huepa said. Meanwhile, FBI agents completely ignore Antifa and BLM terrorists who are killing people and burning buildings to the ground. And there's a tweet by Julie Kelly, insane. He was shocked to come out of his bedroom with seven guns pointing at him and his wife. The couple was handcuffed and interrogated for the better part of three hours. In the end, it was a case of mistaken identity. So, yeah, another example of, you know, the FBI going completely over the top. Of course, we know that the experience that Roger Stone had when all these um, FBI agents showed up and conveniently with CNN in tow. And, I mean, there are so many other examples of this. And as the article said, you know, why why is the FBI going so... Um, viciously against people at the Capitol that day on January 6th and not doing the same thing for much, much worse violence and criminal activity, looting and, you know, casualties, even deaths caused by the so-called peaceful protests of Antifa and BLM. It's completely disproportionate and it's obviously a vendetta against Trump supporters. So, so much for Law Day. So, moving on to 
whether HRC has been executed. Now, I've seen this website referred to from several places. And in fact, um, <clears throat> Nancy mentioned it to me and Dolly had posted something on uh, Skype about this. Now, you know, I always engage in healthy scepticism because, you know, I don't like to publish things that or, or report on things that can't be validated. The um, website in question is realrawnews.com and there have been several uh, articles, I think I even referred to one in a previous show, talking about Hillary Clinton having been arrested and then there are follow-up follow-up articles about the tribunal and ultimately then the article about her being executed. Uh, there's also a more recent one about uh, James Comey, which I'll share with you. Um, but there are certain things that didn't quite um, sit right with me, and I'm going to go into those in a minute. But let's just, um, I'll just read the about us part, just so you know about Real Raw News. It says Real Raw News is an award-winning independent publisher dedicated to exposing political and scientific corruption. Our in-depth and substantive investigations frequently focus on politics, war, conspiracy, the media, technology, criminal injustice and more. We provide journalists editorial freedom to expose corruption wherever it is found. We are apolitical and we have no dog in the fight, as they say. <clears throat> and it goes on to say that, you know, they rely on contributions to survive. Um, the only thing is, I don't see any evidence of being award-winning. And also, in the articles, I see references to sources again. And we, you know, we complain about CNN and the New York Times and others putting out articles which claim to be giving information from unnamed sources and this is one of my um, issues with this particular website that they mention sources but they don't mention you know where they've got this information now it may be because they don't want to reveal sources but it would be nice to have some kind of ver verification or validation um, of the news that they're sharing. So I'm going to start with the the article about Hillary Clinton hanged at Gitmo. And then I'll explain why I feel there are inconsistencies in the story by referring to the previous articles. So the author is Michael Baxter. It was put out on April 26th, literally titled Hillary Clinton hanged at Gitmo. Scrambled eggs with jalapeno peppers and a strawberry milkshake, the last meal of the condemned. Hillary Rodham Clinton was hanged at Guantanamo Bay Monday night, her death the culmination of her operation that began on March 2nd when US Navy SEALs on Donald J. Trump's authority arrested the disgraced politician at her Chappaqua, New York mansion. After a five-day tribunal at the world's most infamous detention centre, a three-officer panel found Clinton guilty of murder, accessory to murder, treason, child trafficking and other high crimes. Clinton, who had refused counsel, had uttered nary a word throughout the proceedings and had taken Vice Admiral John G. Hanning's sentence of death with an unflinching gaze. 
The hanging took place at 9.05pm at once after TAPS, which marks the start of quiet hours on US military bases across the globe. The world is about to sleep quieter tonight, Vice Admiral John G. Hanning said to a small assembly that included three Joint Chiefs of Staff and notably Donald J. Trump, who, garbed in his typical dark suit and crimson tie, had arrived at Gitmo earlier in the day. Michael Pompeo and former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani flanked him, both men having played an integral role in amassing evidence against Clinton. Judge um, sorry, Vice Admiral John Hanning is actually the Judge Advocate General of the Navy. So that perhaps uh, gives some credence to this story, the fact that he was present. So continuing the article, under military guard, a shackled Hillary Clinton was escorted from Camp Delta detention block to gallows made of steel lattice work with a downward swinging door beneath her feet that the Army Corps of Engineers had erected in a clearing near Windward Point Lighthouse on Gitmo's southern edge. Affixed to a steel beam was a rectangular box with five circular red buttons protruding from the case. In front of each button stood a uniformed soldier. Atop the platform, another soldier slipped a braided noose around Clinton's neck. Vice Admiral Hanink addressed the execution detail. When I say ready, and not one moment before, you will poise your left index finger in front of the button. You will keep it hovered there until I say execute, and then you five must simultaneously press your button. Only one of the five buttons will trigger the door, and none of you will ever know which button that was. Do you understand these instructions? Yes, sir, the five bellowed in unison. A chaplain and a physician climbed the 13 steps leading to the top of the platform and stood beside a soldier who was checking to ensure the noose was secure around Clinton's neck. Below them, Vice Admiral Hanning asked if Clinton wanted last rites or had any final words. Clinton broke silence. I'm Hillary Clinton, you can't do this to me, she said, her voice a witch's cackle. It's already done, Donald J. Trump shouted up at her. Ready? Vice Admiral Hanning nodded at the execution detail. After a moment's pause, he gave the execute order the soldiers pressed their buttons and the grate between Clinton's feet, sorry, beneath Clinton's feet, swung open. Her legs and feet, still shackled at the ankles, twitched a moment or two, then stopped. The rope was cut and Clinton's lifeless body lay sprawled in a damp patch of grass. The physician pre- present checked her vitals and declared her dead. A confidential source involved in Trump's mission to obliterate the deep state said the overall mood was sombre and melancholy. There was no celebration, no jubilation, just an atmosphere of contentedness, an acknowledgement that what had to be done was done. The nature of her crimes overshadowed celebratory thought, but a four-decade reign of terror had come to an end. As much as Trump hated her, this was purely business. He cares about the children who suffered at her hands more than he cares about what she did to him. Yes, her demise sends a signal to the deep state, but Trump knows there are many more to go and he won't celebrate till the job is done, our source said. Incidentally, the, this article has been visited 392,362 times with 14,768 visits today. So it's being widely viewed um, interestingly, there were quite a few comments on this. 
which really um, echoed what my thought was in terms of, you know, we we believe that Clinton um, has been dead since when twenty nineteen, I think, is the consensus. You know, we saw her physical state when she had to leave the 9-11 ceremony and had to be bundled into this van. You know, she was collapsing. And I've read reports saying that she died of Kuru, which is a brain disease caused by cannibalism. Of course, we, we've we heard all the stories about Frazzle Drip and her, her horrendous satanic uh, ritual abuse. So <clears throat> this is why, you know, I question this. People are saying in the chat that or in the comments that you know this must be a clone or a body double or what have you so you know why why do it this way why i know we've we've heard that in the broad emergency broadcast they're going to be put out they're going to be um showing proof of the uh executions um but i still have some issues with this story and one of the reasons is the behavior of clinton at this um execution of course the other question is why would they execute a body double because I, my feeling is that if a body double was put in place it would probably be put in place by the white hats i don't know maybe not but uh, a clone execution i can understand but not particularly a body double. So going back to what I was saying about <coughs> Clinton's behaviour, there have been numerous reports in various biographies by people close to Clinton who talked about her absolutely appalling behaviour with members of the Secret Service who were protecting her and her foul language and she was so, um, well, vicious towards them. And I saw a, a recent meme or, or screenshot or, on uh, one of the Telegram channels showing all the examples from different biographies and how she's, you know, swearing and shouting at members of the Secret Service and the military so this is one of the reasons why I can't see her just, you know, taking this execution without, low, you know, putting out a whole load of explosives and, you know, calling people there every name under the sun. It just doesn't quite tie together for me. And also on March 18th, there was an, another article by... Real Raw News, and this was titled Clinton Suffers Adrenochrome Withdrawal at Gitmo. And the description in this article doesn't tie in at all with her behaviour at the execution. A disruptive Hillary Clinton was placed in lockdown at Gitmo following a series of incidents in which the former Secretary of State spat on guards, defecated on the floor of her cell, assaulted US military personnel, and in her witch's cackle, hurled obscenities indefatigably at staff and fellow inmates, said a source familiar with Clinton's arrest and incarceration at the world's most infamous detention centre. As reported previously, US Navy SEALs working under Trump's command raided Clinton's Chappaqua, New York estate on March 2nd, resulting in her arrest. 
Three days later, she was taken to Gitmo's Camp Delta, former home to al-Qaeda and ISIS jihadists. Citing a March 15th Gitmo situation report, our source said Clinton was a model prisoner during her first week in cap- captivity, meaning she kept her mouth shut and didn't cause a ruckus. But on March 10th, her demeanour changed. She underwent what a staff psychiatrist called a behavioural metamorphosis. A once complacent Clinton turned suddenly hostile and uncooperative. On March 11th, Clinton went on a hunger strike, claiming guards had poisoned her food and threw serving trays at staff. Then she began hurling pithy aphorisms and insults at the men tasked with guarding her. I'm Hillary Clinton. You can't do this to me. My people will get me out of here. You're violating my constitutional right and so on. It's almost comical to hear Clinton complain about her rights being violated. That woman has violated the rights and freedoms of more Americans than any person in history, except for the criminal Barack Hussein Obama. Her witless banter then turned to threats, veiled at first, then obvious, our source said. Clinton threatened guards and their families, admitting she had ordered the deaths of countless people who had slighted her. She told Gitmo's staff that their loved ones are not beyond my reach and demanded to be released. When told she had no rights and shared the same status as jihadi inmates, Clinton took a turn for the worse. She stopped using the commode and instead shat on her cell floor. She repeatedly spat in guards' faces, forcing them to bag and gag her when escorting her to and from the cell. She even bit a guard on the arm. The guy had to get a tetanus vaccination, our source said. Two days later, though, she had another transmogrification. She all of a sudden became laconic and withdrawn. She sat in a corner of her cell with her knees drawn up against her chest and shook uncontrollably, quaking like an animal and frothing at the mouth. Guards sedated Clinton and brought her to the infirmary, where the facility's sole physician made an alarming discovery. The saggy skin on her left forearm was dotted with pinpricks like one might expect to find on a heroin addict. The physician did a comprehensive metabolic panel and typed her blood, and lab results revealed inexplicable abnormalities. Her blood, which is AB negative, according to State Department records, had metalloproteins of two other blood types, A negative and O positive a medical impossibility, suggesting she had received infusions from incompatible donors. The lab showed also showed atypical concentrations of adrenochrome, a chemical compound produced by the oxidation of adrenaline. Now, I have another question here about the, the physician finding um, these pinpricks. I would have thought that when somebody was arrested that they would do a physical exam when they arrived at Guantanamo. I may be wrong, but, you know, that's my supposition. Some circles believe that the most potent and purest forms of adrenochrome are harvested from frightened young children. I would say terrorised young children, actually. Then injected or administered via infusion into a recipient as a euphoric recreational drug that allegedly has anti-ageing properties. It appeared as if Clinton had been a frequent recipient of the pharmacological cocktail. The bitch was going through withdrawal. Who knows how long she was shooting that shit into her veins to prolong her unnatural life. It had to be the adrenochrome. 
They tested her for every known narcotic under the sun, all negative, our source said. In closing, our source said Clinton's withdrawal, for however long it lasts, will have no bearing on her impending military tribunal, which is tentatively scheduled for April 8. The traitor will be held to account, he said. So it could be that she was sedated before the execution, so that you know she didn't cause all the problems that are being described. Um, and we are still seeing a body double of Hillary Clinton on various media. There was an interview um, that I saw published that happened recently where she looked absolutely dreadful, this body double. So I don't know. Who knows? I wanted to share it with you because I think it's very interesting. But I, I also wanted to communicate my um, hesitation in, you know, believing this completely. So we will see. All will hopefully be revealed, revealed eventually. Um, certainly the crimes um, committed by Hillary Clinton, there's no doubt about that. But, of course, so much is happening behind the scenes that we don't know about directly or we're not seeing evidence of. So we'll see what happens. Now, interestingly, there's a later article by Real Raw News. This was April 29th. Comey sings like a canary after watching Clinton hang. Now, interestingly, Comey wasn't mentioned as being present at the hanging. And I, I thought, you know... Again, I would have thought that if he was there, then he would have been mentioned. Uh, disgraced former FBI director and deep state operative James Comey is singing like a canary to the military after being forced to watch Hillary Clinton's next snap at Guantanamo Bay on Monday night. Real Raw News has learned. Confidential sources involved in Trump's mission to eradicate deep state traitors told Real Raw News that James Comey, who had been temporarily detained at Camp Lejeune, was brought to Gitmo the morning of Clinton's execution. Up until Monday night, Comey had refused a plea deal to testify against deep state architect Barack Hussein Obama in exchange for spending the rest of his natural life at Gitmo as opposed to sharing Clinton's fate. While detained at Camp Lejeune, Comey defiantly told jailers he would never betray Obama, who he heralded as a great man and even invited them to torture him, saying he had been trained to withstand waterboarding, electric shock treatment and even truth serum. Moreover, Comey told his captors he did not believe that the military had apprehended Clinton. You can't touch Hillary Clinton, Comey purportedly said, and you won't get anything from me. His tune changed late Monday night. With military guard, Comey was sitting in a Humvee a few metres from the scaffolding. He was made to watch Clinton being marched up the steps and the noose placed around her neck. He saw the door open underneath her feet. He was seeing his potential future fate, but even that wasn't enough to break him. With the Hummer motor running and windows up, he probably couldn't hear Clinton's final words or Trump's witty reply, our source said. Comey, our source said, our source added, believed the military had manufactured a theatrical production to trick him into giving up the goods on Obama. He accused the military of using freshman scare tactics. He told his guard that US intelligence agencies were well versed in using lifelike mannequins to stage, to stage fake executions, often to wheedle confessions. Two hours later, Comey was taken to, Gitmo, to the Gitmo Medical Building 
where Clinton's shell, ashen and rigid with onset rigor mortis, lay naked on a stainless steel table. Comey was permitted to inspect the corpse and decide for himself if it was a dummy. Also, there were a pair of embalming machines in the room. Comey broke down almost immediately, dropping to his knees and crying out, What have you done? as the guard told him he'd be next, unless he started talking, our source said. Fuck this, I'll talk. I'll tell them whatever they want to know, Comey reportedly said. Our source said Comey started blabbing Tuesday morning and that representatives of the US Navy Judge Advocate General's office have spent the last 48 hours taking his deposition. I don't know specifics on the deposition yet, but hopefully soon. It's likely he's spilling the mother load on the Obamas. It's only a matter of time now before Obama is brought before a military tribunal. The Biden puppet presidency collapses and Donald J. Trump is re-inaugurated, our source said. So here's another inconsistency. <clears throat> I've, I've seen multiple reports, again, unverified, that... Um, Biden had a plea deal. He was already in Gitmo, um, as so was uh, Michael, his husband. Um, and that because Obama violated the terms of the plea deal, he actually was um, executed. And that Michael Obama also was executed. So this doesn't. This doesn't compute to me unless that previous information was false. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of inconsistencies here. And that's really what I wanted to draw your attention to. Obviously, a lot of this is just my opinion, but it's also based on other reports that I've seen which tell a different story. So it's up to you. Use your discernment. And, um, you know, if it is true great. If not, well, we'll hear the real story sometime soon, hopefully. Now on to the Maricopa County audit in Arizona. And I'm going to start with um, a recent, very recent uh, article. It doesn't actually have a date on it. It is annoying when there is no date. <laughs> but um, anyway, it must be pretty recent. The title, and, and it's from Republican Insider, and the title is Breaking, President Trump Slams Democrats for Using Mob of 73 Lawyers in Arizona in Attempt to Stop Audit. They Know What They Did. The battle for truth and transparency in the 2020 election has been underway in Arizona for months now. State Senate Republicans have been fighting to get a legitimate independent audit performed on the ballots and election equipment from Maricopa County for months. Meanwhile, Democrats have been doing everything they can think of to stand in the way and prevent the audit from taking place. They don't even seem to care how bad their tactics make them look. We all know the 2020 election was stolen and the Democrats are proving it with their behaviour before an audit can even be performed. There is only one reason for anyone to want to stop the audit, after all. The election ballot audit in Maricopa County was scheduled to start yesterday, Friday, April 23rd. So obviously this article is from the 24th. <clears throat> but once again, Democrats are standing in the way. On Thursday, the voting machines and ballots were transported to the Veterans Memorial Coliseum at the state fairgrounds where the audit is set to be performed. 
there have been nine cameras set up around the venue that will provide live video streams over the course of the entire audit, which will take several weeks. The video streams can be seen by logging on to azaudit.org. While it seems as if everything is ready to go and there isn't anything left standing in the way, Democrats, via their mob of 70-plus lawyers, filed a lawsuit Friday resulting in a judge ordering the process to a halt until Monday. Democrats are desperate to keep the truth hidden in Arizona. Trump campaign attorney Boris Epstein talked with War Room host Steve Bannon on Friday about the Democrats' latest move, saying that it's up to Trump supporters to express righteous indignation should the courts find yet another way to stand in the way of exposing the truth. He said, we have to show righteous indignation that this is unacceptable. We cannot allow the courts, which refuse to give rightful hearings, we cannot allow for the courts to manufacture ways to stand in the way. And there is a, um, a the video included uh, of the war room, Steve Bannon's war room, Titled, it screams guilt, Democrats desperately try to stop audit of AZ ballots. Given the fact that all those on the left have been adamant that the election was fair and the most secure in US history, they would want the audit performed. You'd think they would want Americans to see that the election was secure and fair. Yet here they are, months after the election, still fighting tooth and nail to shut down any and all efforts to find evidence of the truth. On Friday, President Trump slammed Democrats over their obvious attempts to shut down the audit process in order to protect the fraudulent election results. He started his statement by saying that so many people would like to thank the brave and patriotic Republican state senators from Arizona for the incredible job they are doing in exposing the large-scale voter fraud which took place in the 2020 presidential election. Indeed, this is true. Tens of millions of Americans are anxiously awaiting this audit to finally be performed. Unhinged leftists have spent the last few months insisting that anyone questioning the election results is akin to a domestic terrorist. Trump supporters deserve vindication from these lies and false accusations. The former president went on to say, I would say the current president, but anyway, <coughs> the Democrats, upon hearing the news of the court order, have sent 73 lawyers to Arizona in an effort to stop this recount and full transparency because they know what they did. At the end of his statement, Trump asserted that we must never allow this to happen to our great country again and the only way to prevent future massive-scale voter fraud and stolen fraudulent elections is by doing the work now to expose the truth. The article then shows a screenshot of his statement and it goes on um, after what was I've just read out, it says the Democrats are desperate for the fraud to remain concealed because when revealed, the great states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, New Hampshire and the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania would be forced to complete the work already started. The Arizona recount examination will be on live TV OAN for all to watch. Why are the Democrats so desperate to stop this election fraud from being revealed? That answer is obvious. The governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, has been shockingly of zero help to the state Senate. He wants to pretend the election was free and fair. What are he and the Maricopa County commissioners trying to hide? Our country needs the truth of the scam 2020 election to be exposed. 
If it is not, just as if we have no borders, we cannot be a great nation. Honest elections are America's heart and soul. We must never allow this to happen to our great country again. Thank you, state senators and others in Arizona, for commencing this full forensic audit. I predict the results will be startling. And there's been a lot of um, shares by the uh, the citizen journalists of Rachel Maddow uh, in her show on MSNBC, I think it is, absolutely panicking over this audit. It's fairly, and she's obviously trying to, you know, discredit Trump supporters and ranting about QAnon and so on. So it's really amusing to see the 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 extent of the panic amongst the Democrats and the liberal media. Now, the latest thing is, uh, this is an article that was published this morning uh, by Resist the Mainstream. Lawfare groups ask for federal intervention in Arizona ballot audit. Send letter to DOJ asking for immediate involvement. And there have been several attempts um, through the courts by these um, Democrat opposers to the audit to try and get the audit stopped. And so far, they've, they've failed. The article says after the Democrat Secretary of State failed to get the Arizona State Attorney General to initiate an investigation of the audit and after a Democrat state judge rejected the Democrat effort for a temporary restraining order and after all other efforts have failed, now we see three outside election groups claiming bipartisanship, yet led by lawyers from NYU, asking the DOJ to intervene in the Maricopa County, Arizona ballot audit. The audit started on April 23rd. A judge on April 28th rejected the attempt by Democrats to halt the process. The Brennan Center, Project Democracy and the Leadership Conference have signed a letter to the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ asking them to get involved. The group is asking the Justice Department to send federal monitors to Arizona as the Republican-led state Senate carries out an audit of 2.1 million ballots cast in Maricopa County in the state's 2020 presidential election. In a letter to the top official at the Justice Department's voting section, five election experts from the Brennan Center for Justice, Protect Democracy and the Leadership Conference expressed deep concerns about how the audit is being conducted, warning that it has put ballots in danger of being stolen, defaced or irretrievably damaged. They fail to ensure the physical security of ballots by keeping doors unlocked and allowing unauthorised persons to access the ballot storage facility. They also risk compromising the integrity of the ballots themselves, using materials and technologies that will cause the ballot paper and marks to deteriorate, such as holding ballots to ultraviolet light without gloves. And it actually shows the complete letter. Now, this is just... (coughs) You have to laugh because they are accusing the auditors of doing exactly what the um, the board of um, the the Arizona Board of Supervisors did when they moved all these ballots um, before they were requested. They moved them to an unsecure location. So, you know, it's the usual story. Blame someone else or the opposition for exactly what you've done. And uh, I know time is running on, but I'd just like to share the video, short video, that 
Arizona GOP Chairman Kelly Ward shared uh, as an update on the audit. Hello, Arizona. It is time for America's audit update from the Republican Party of Arizona. I'm your chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. Today's update is a call to action for all of us to join together to protect this audit and support our efforts to keep the process from being undermined or stopped by the Democrats. I think we're at a tipping point. There are serious developments in the ongoing forensic audit and the hand recount of ballots cast in the 2020 election in Maricopa County. Number one, a group of so-called experts on election security and administration are asking the Justice Department to send federal monitors to Arizona. Who are these experts, as the media likes to call them? The two lead actors are the Brennan Center for Justice and the Protect Democracy group. Their names sound innocent, of course, but both of those groups are major backroom players in Washington who work hand-in-hand with Democrats at every level. They are aggressive, dirty players funneling millions of corporate monies to advance social re-engineering and identity politics while working with BLM and Marxist groups to literally destroy our nation. Number two, let's be totally clear about this. Arizona is off limits to the federal government trampling on our constitutional rights and our sovereignty when it comes to managing our own elections. We believe in the U.S. Constitution, including the Tenth Amendment. That includes horning in to pretend to monitor our audit with the goal of interfering with the Arizona Senate's right to audit an election, which has been upheld by the Arizona Supreme Court. Three, we also do not want or need partisan attack dogs like the Brennan Center or Protect Democracy coming in to observe or interfere or undermine our elections and the Arizona State Senate audit. But they are coming with their lawyers, with their money, and with their agenda to attempt to derail this full forensic audit that is being done by qualified experts. They say they have deep concerns about how the audit is being conducted, warning that it's put ballots in danger of being stolen, defaced, or irretrievably damaged. These are outright lies, and we have got to expose them and refuse a set of false Democrat facts to take root. Number four. Yesterday, Secretary of State Democrat hack Katie Hobbs got access to the audit floor by way of a court-pushed agreement between the parties. Although she was always offered access, she now has representatives and observers monitoring the audit. Five. Now, here's the dangerous part, and it worries me tremendously. Of the three observers representing Hobbs, two are none other than an election consultant with Protect Democracy and an attorney with the Brennan Center. So rather than officials of the Secretary of State's office on the floor, we have two of the most notorious D.C. Democrat players on the floor representing Arizona voters by way of an elected official. She's bringing the feds in where they have absolutely no business. All of this is an insult to Arizona voters, and it threatens our sovereignty as the state of Arizona. It's a dangerous precedent in this ongoing audit. We are at a precipitous time as the audit is now under even more major assaults and it is threatening to get worse. So please stay vigilant and be active. Support our efforts to get the word out. Share this video. Contact Katie Hobbs and tell her to stop undermining our state with federal interference and to stop interfering in what the vast majority of Arizona voters want. A 
full forensic audit to restore voter confidence and assure election integrity. Stay tuned for our next updates on the Arizona audit, America's audit. Thanks for joining. I'll see you soon. Let's move on to the vaccine latest news. And this is from uh, childrenshealthdefense.org. It's the organization that's run by uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. This was an article yesterday, the 30th of April. Significant jump this week in reported injuries, deaths after COVID vaccine. Theirs data released today showed 118,902 reports of adverse events following COVID vaccines, including 3,544 deaths and 12,619 serious injuries between December 14, 2020 and April 23, 2021. And do bear in mind that the statistics show that or claim that probably only 1% of adverse reactions are actually reported to the VAERS database. Data released today by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on the number of injuries and deaths reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System following COVID vaccines showed a significant jump in reports of injuries and deaths compared with last week's numbers. VAERS is the primary government-funded system for reporting adverse vaccine reactions in the US. Reports submitted to VAERS require further investigation before a causal relationship can be confirmed. Every Friday, VAERS makes public all vaccine injury reports received as of a specified date, usually about a week prior to the release date. Today's data show that between December 14, 2020 and April 23rd, a total of 118,902 total adverse events were reported to VAERS, including 3,544 deaths, an increase of 358 over the previous week, and 12,619 serious injuries, up 2,467 since last week. And then it's got a, a screenshot of the search results for those, um, for the adverse reactions during those dates. In the US, 222.3 million COVID vaccine doses have been administered as of April 23rd. This includes 97 million doses of Moderna's vaccine, 117 million doses of Pfizer and 8 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Of the 3,544 deaths reported as of April 23rd, 25% occurred within 48 hours of vaccination, 17% occurred within 24 hours and 40% occurred in people who became ill within 48 hours of being vaccinated. This week's data included three reports of deaths among teens under age 18, including two 15-year-olds and one 16-year-old who died unexpectedly from a blood clot 11 days after receiving her first Pfizer dose. A 15-year-old female died of cardiac arrest after receiving the second dose of the Moderna vaccine and a 15-year-old male died of cardiac failure two days after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. This week's VAERS data show 21% of deaths were related to cardiac disorders, 54% of those who died were male, 44% were female, and the remaining death reports did not include gender of the deceased. The average age of death was 75.3, and the youngest deaths reported include two 15-year-olds, 
and a 16-year-old. There were other reported deaths in children under 16 that could not be confirmed or contained obvious errors. As of April 23rd, 598 pregnant women reported adverse events related to COVID vaccines, including 170 reports of miscarriage or premature birth. Of the 1,099 cases of Bell's palsy reported, 51% of cases were reported after Pfizer-BioNTech vaccinations, 39% following vaccination with the Moderna vaccine, and 131 cases, or 12% of Bell's palsy, were reported in conjunction with J&J. There were 121 reports of Guillain-Barre syndrome, with 44% of cases attributed to Pfizer, 43% to Moderna and 17% to J&J. There were 33,673 reports of anaphylaxis, with 39% of cases attributed to Pfizer's vaccine, 44% to Moderna and 16% to J&J. CDC ignores the defender no response after 53 days. According to the CDC website, the CDC follows up on any report of death to request additional information and learn more about what occurred and to determine whether the death was a result of the vaccine or unrelated. The defender reached out to the CDC on March 8th with a written list of questions about the reported deaths and injuries related to COVID vaccines, the status of ongoing investigations reported in the media, if autopsies are being done, the standard for determining whether an, inju an injury is causally connected to a vaccine, and education initiatives to encourage and facilitate proper and accurate reporting. We made numerous attempts to contact the CDC via phone and email. As of April 30th, 53 days after our initial inquiry, we still have yet to receive answers to our questions. The article continues. It's, it's a pretty long one, and um, so I would look for that article on childrenshealthdefence.org if you want to get more of the information you know it's very sad i'm i'm you know hearing from people that they're being pressured by relatives to get the vaccine you know you we want you to do it because of seeing the grandchildren and things like that and you know they haven't done any research into the effects of this vaccine and more more and more news is coming out that actually they are a danger to the unvaccinated because they will shed these um, mRNA uh, spike proteins and potentially affect people who have consciously chosen not to be vaccinated. And I did see a statistic that said that 45% of, re of deaths reported to VAERS over the years are actually due to the COVID-19 so-called vaccines, which is not a good statistic. So, but I just want to cover something else very quickly before I finish, because it's not just the vaccines that we need to be concerned about. And this was a um, a share from, it's actually a screenshot from Telegram, John F. Kennedy Jr. And it says, breaking former FEMA whistleblower Celeste Solemn explains that the Corona PCR test is implanting a microchip. So the nasopharyngeal COVID-19 PCR tests were never tests at all. They are implanting chips, inserting nanobots called nanites with a bioweapons payload for the brain, while at the same time harvesting DNA. 
the PCR swab is inserted straight to the nasopharynx behind the nose and forehead where your eyes are. It's at the blood-brain barrier and next to your pineal gland. I believe they are knocking out people's senses with these bioweapons and killing human intuition and your ability to cognitively, cognitively see what they are doing to us. They're knocking out our senses and targeting the brain with nanites that carry a payload, as Celeste spoke about in previous visit videos. This is war, serious warfare. Decline the tests, refuse the masks and never let them stick you with a needle. And of course, we've also had reports about shooting, you know, doing the temperature tests, firing at your pineal gland on the forehead is also attack against our intuition. So lots to avoid. Now, I've completely run out of time. I've overrun a little bit again. So apologies for that. Um, and also apologies if that video is playing a little bit loud. So that's the news that I've chosen to report on this week. There's so much more out there that I haven't had time to cover. I hope you found it interesting and, in, and informative. And I want to thank you for listening again. And I hope you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week. So just as a reminder, you can find me on uh, at, at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, also Empowered Manifestation. And my final word is stay safe, stay uh, sceptical, <laughs> keep doing the research, and bye for now. You have been listening to the Cosmic Creating Radio Show with Jan Shaw. A production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Live long and prosper.